you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back together. Buck, how are you, my friend? Man, I'm good. Had a good weekend. Uh, The tournament, the NCAA tournament, March Madness, lived up to billing. It's kind of crazy watching basketball now and the teams that win and the teams that don't. Uh, I I uh, I didn't get a chance to see Indiana's game last night. It was a awful box score. I know that. Uh, oh man, you can't. They can't. They can't rebound. I mean, I saw the box score. They gave up like twenty something offensive rebounds. I'm like, yeah, you're not winning when you do that. So here's the funny thing. Um, like one observation I will say is that basketball has become far more physical than I ever remember it being. Uh, like if you can't play defense, if you're not willing to put your body on folks, like you're gonna have a tough time winning. And the differences in conferences. When you look at SEC teams play, they are very, very comfortable oh. with it being a, a rugby match. And so some of the teams like ACC teams were not um, – they were not into it. Like it's a different it's a different hustle. But it's good to see. I will say, uh, look, the Big Ten had a bunch of teams, but Michigan State is the last team standing. Uh, Tom Izzo is obviously a friend of Steve Mariucci, which makes him a friend of the show kind of – like six down the line of separation. But DJ, I think college basketball now is one where college coaches have a bigger impact on who wins and loses because of the teams that are doing it with older players, teams that are mm-hmm. systematic. They're finding a way to get to the winner's circle because the coach has a lot of influence and impact on the way the game is decided. Yeah, it, it's interesting. We'll see how that um you know, the, the the transfer era of college basketball as well as the one and dones. And now football and college football, I think, is trending a little mm-hmm. bit in that direction just because we have so much movement. Um, mm-hmm. So, is in other words, is there going to be a team that maybe we get in this next era? You know, I don't think people are thinking about it like this, but maybe we get like a – maybe it's not a group of five team, but maybe a lower-level power five mm-hmm. team that all of a sudden keeps their group together the whole time. And while there might be mm-hmm. some other talented teams that, that are going up against, they're going to be a more cohesive team, complete team. And we could see somebody outside of the Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, you know, Clemson group go win a national championship. Yeah, no, I think it's funny. I think we've had a couple of different examples the last two years. So we saw TCU kind of crack the playoff uh, format. And then Cincinnati. And that Cincinnati team in particular was one that was an older team, uh, had a couple of transfers on there, but they they kind of were under the radar, but they were able to build a team, develop a team and develop a team that understood the system because they were four and five year players. Uh, there is, I believe there is like a, a margin or a pathway for a college team to take that approach and have a lot of success being able to do it. Now, they may never uh, topple the Ohio States or the Alabamas of the world, because maybe just the talent is overwhelming. But who's to say that you can't have a team that like TCU uh, snatch down Michigan, or you have a team that is able to maybe win a playoff game, particularly as it expands, you may see some of these things um, create some upsets and upsets will be great because as you have an expanded playoff field, 
you would like to see some upsets kind of change the pecking order so you just don't have a chalk situation where just all the top seeds go to the Final Four. I'm with you on that, and we'll transition to free agency here in a second, but I think you just hit on it, Buck. To me, it makes it more interesting when you get some new names in the mix, and I feel like in college football, man, it's, you know, and the SEC SEC, in terms of their resources and commitment, um, they just, you know, they've just dominated for so long now. And I, I, I would say, tell me if this has has any bearing, if you think there's any truth to this, but just watching like the body types of the SEC teams in basketball, I'm like, man, I wonder if all this football money that's coming in too is not uh is not making its way towards the basketball program in terms of how these guys are being developed, man. I, a, you can afford to hire you can afford to hire mm-hmm. a different coach when you have that type of athletic department budget. And number two, the resources you have in terms of weight room, nutrition, everything else got to be off the charts. It has to be off the charts. And it's an arms race. You know, we we talk about it like the SEC has coined the slogan. It means more. And you can just tell, man, when you look at some of their athletics, like they certainly pour a lot into it. When you think about their baseball, their basketball, their football, like all of those teams in that conference, they compete at a high level. And some of it is because they understand what's required to have your teams play at a high level. It's not only dropping the money to have the best head coach, but it's giving them a a fat budget where they then can go and hire all the assistants, the nutritionists, the strength coaches, all of the other stuff that allows the program to run and operate at a high level. Um, That's one of it. And it's funny, I was reading something last night after Michigan State won about Izzo and Mel Tucker and how they're having, they call it kind of this commitment to excellence when it comes to their sports, a culture of excellence. And how uh, Mel Tucker, coming from Georgia and Alabama, one of the first things he needed, hey, we need a nutritionist, we need to do all these things, whatever. And then Tom Izzo being right on board, the basketball team saying, hey, we need those things too to elevate the program. And so your observation on some of those teams, yeah, when the football program is operating at a high level, uh, some of that, I would call it peer pressure to make sure that your other sports play at a high level. I think that certainly seeps into the program. Yeah, no, it's interesting to see how all that stuff is is connected there. Um, All right, we're going to jump into some free agency here. Again, there's been a flurry of moves as we're recording this. Still no Aaron Rodgers trade yet. Um, I I joked on, on Twitter, Buck, that, I got my screen time report where it shows you how much time you've been on your phone. It was way up. And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's Rogers, man. I just must be clicking refresh. <laughs> I I'm to the point now I'm kind of just like, dude, I'm, just let me know when it's over. I'm not going to do this daily check-in thing anymore. It's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of when. Yeah, it's just a matter of when. When, when uh, will the Packers offer, I guess? When, when will the Jets meet their demands and those things? I know they could hold them all the way out until the, the the day before the season and that stuff. At some point, if you're the Jets, you're like, hey, look, man, what are we going to do? Like, because you want to get them in. To me, the deadline that I have in my mind is April 17th because that's when the offseason program kicks off in earnest. I think around then, that's when you want to have the movement. That's when you want to make sure that he is on the team. And I think they'll find a way to get a conversation now, right? But it's funny because I, I, I've seen in reading articles where none executives believe that he is worth a first round pick at this stage of his career. And so it's, I mean, I don't either. I feel like he's a declining player. And I feel like last year was a regression that you have to be aware of. It's more likely he's going to continue to be the player we saw last year than the one that won MVPs. And so it's that fine line where I understand why the Jets would want to hold the line firm. Yeah, I don't know if I want to give up a first round pick. I think conditional picks have to be the way to go because you just don't know, one, what kind of player you're getting, Two, how long he's going to play. And then three, 
Is he going to be committed? He was 90% retired when he went into the hole. And then he came out wanting to play. Man, to me, that's more telling than anything about him being all in. Yeah, I, I'm sitting here, Buck, and I'm going, it seems like they should be able to work this thing out because here's the conversation as it would go. And again, we weren't even planning to talk on Rodgers today, but we we got to get this. We got to get this in. So if 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 I'm the Jets, right, and I say, uh, hey, uh, you know, we don't think he's worth the first round pick. And then the Packers come back and say, well, no, no, this is four time MVP. He is worth the first round pick. Then I'm going to say, well, I'm not we're not going to pay you the price for what he was we want to pay you the price for what he is and the Packers say but he could still play to MVP level and that's when the Jets have to turn around and say you know what well we both disagree on this let's let's make sure that we're both right in other words conditionals so if if what you're saying is right that he's going to play at a very high level then you'll end up getting a first round pick out of this thing if what we're saying is he's not quite that player anymore then the conditions might dictate that it's you know some other compensation you know below that first round level but that to me is like conditional picks get this thing done because that settles the argument of how much his value is well his play how he plays is going to determine uh how much value he has yes I, that that's important that's the easiest way to do it and it's a way that you would think that they would have been able to lock that up like what are we talking about a, a, yeah. a 3 that turns into a 2 a 2 that turns into 1 a 3 that turns into an year one, then you have another one back then. I mean, there, there are a few different ways that they can handle this to make it right. Uh, they need to get creative, but without a deadline, you don't have any negotiation. So they just need a deadline. There has to be a fictional deadline to create some pressure to get this deal wrapped up. Yeah, there you go. There's your Aaron Rodgers update for the day. Uh, what? What's? Uh, let's go through some of these free agency moves. Brandon Cooks got traded for the 94th time. Uh, it's, he's had one of the most interesting careers, man. And he performs, he puts up numbers everywhere he goes. And he's a great dude, a great teammate. Everybody loves him, but he's been traded a bunch. Crazy. Well, I want to say what, six out of eight years he's had over a thousand yards. Uh, he's been very productive throughout his career. Uh, he's a nice fit for them. Good route runner. Still like people are pegging him as like the vertical threat. I think he's kind of a little bit more than that, but you put him in that offense, uh, alongside CD lamb, hopefully Michael Gallup is fully healthy. Now they have a competent wide receiver core. Before they were playing with a short, uh, a, a short deck. Now they have an opportunity to make some things happen. The bigger thing for me is looking at what are they going to do in the backfield. Tony Pollard is on the franchise tag, but he's coming off an injury. Uh, we have seen how people are valuing running backs, particularly in the offseason, the market. We know what the draft has in store. How do the Cowboys elect to fill that spot? Because regardless of whether you sign Tony Pollard on a big deal, short deal, or whatever. You still have to have somebody else in the backfield. How are the Cowboys going to fill that that void that is created by Zeke's departure? Yeah. No, I, you know, and Mike McCarthy calling plays, man. I'm uh, I'm curious to see what it, what it all looks like there in Dallas. But Cooks has performed everywhere he's been, and he'll have a role there. How about going back to his former team? Uh, Laramie Tunsil negotiates his own deal. So he's been able to do what Lamar Jackson hasn't been able to do in terms of getting on the same page with his team on a contract. But once again, the highest paid uh, tackle in the NFL, he gets three years, what was it, 75 million? Yeah. Three years, 75 million extension, including 50 million guaranteed. I love that just for the security of whoever they're going to take at number two, knowing that that mm -hmm. guy is going to walk in the door and have a, a big time franchise left tackle. Uh, there are a few different lessons to be learned from Laramie Tunsil's uh, deal. One, Offensive tackle is still a marquee position, so you pay a premium for guys that are at the top. No matter what you think about him, he's been hurt and those things. He's still a top five tackle at the position. Two, 
Um, the marketplace is now one where, you know, I know people like seeing the big money deals. They like seeing the five-year deals with the fluffed out stuff at the end. But what Laramie Tussle is doing is really what is a real contract. Three years, get the money, go back to the table. That's the way most guys are operating. If you think about wanting to be always in line with the marketplace, those shorter deals give you an opportunity to continue to have multiple bites at the Apple as the market value escalates. And so we're seeing all of these teams sign these deals and it's, it's great uh, APY, like the annual per, per, the the average per, per year. year. Yeah. But it's, it's fake money. It's monopoly money because when you get to the last couple of years, like it's, it's, it's fluff. It's all like blown up, exaggerated. Um, so now Laramie Tunsil is doing it. The thing about it, and I know everyone is trying to figure out what did Lamar Jackson mean with the cryptic tweet when he talked about three for 133. Yeah. The only thing I will say is if you tally that up and you tally up the franchise tags, that's what it would have been. And so mm-hmm. if the Ravens offered that, that would have been Lamar Jackson basically agreeing to play on three franchise tags and then he has free agency. Mm-hmm. You talk about fully guaranteed money. I mean, it's look, it's the same. It's the same as if he plays this out year by year or if he assigned that three year deal. The thing that you don't want to do is give the team more years of security. For the same guaranteed money you would get yeah. on the franchise tag. And so it's just a matter of how they want to play this. But I'm be honest with you. I have Lamar Jackson and Baltimore Ravens fatigue. I just want something to be done so yeah, we can figure out what. What is going to happen with Lamar Jackson, whether he represents himself or not? I don't think that's necessarily the deal. I think it's just two guys got to get in the room. They got to hash this out and figure out what are they going to do going forward? Because the Ravens obviously need him as a franchise quarterback. And let's be honest, all of the the musical chairs, all the dance cars are taken filling up. So he has to find a place to play. And the best place for him to play is in Baltimore. Yeah, and I, again, I come back to the fact that Todd Monken's going to be a first-year coordinator there, and you design an offense with or without Lamar Jackson. Those are two different offenses, how you design that. So the, the uh, some clarity there would be much mm-hmm. beneficial in, 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 a, uh, in a spot there for a new coordinator trying to get his system installed. I want to uh, circle back on Tunzel with one last thing here, Buck, and see if you uh, – your thoughts on this one. So – if we look at the tackle market, right, which is mm-hmm. that, that's a big number on the tackle market. And if you look at historically, I was trying to fumble around. I have the paper somewhere, but I couldn't find it. But there is a, um, you know, I've I had our buddy Jack do a study on where the majority of starters come from, you know, by position mm-hmm. where they get drafted. And offensive tackles are the highest percentage of first round picks. So, like, that's the position where you got to pay the premium. You got to take them in the first round to get them. Those are, you know, there just aren't many of them. So, you've got to go up there and get them. So, here's my thing if you look at what they cost in free agency and you look at where you have to get them, don't you think if you're a team like, and I look at it two places, if you're in position to get one of the premier guys, and we, if we say that there's two or three of those in this draft class, Aren't those the guys you want to trade up for? Because not only are we getting a good player, we're getting a bargain. Because if we don't, if we don't get one in the draft, look what we got to pay for one of these guys if they ever get to free agency. It's insane. So I think you could see teams move up for the premier guys. And then if we have those kind of tweeners, like like I look at some guys like Anton Harrison, you know, some people really like him. Oklahoma. Um, yeah. You've got Bergeron from uh from Syracuse, who's a good player. Yeah. Uh, those guys are tackles. And Bergeron could play inside, but I think he'll end up staying at tackle. But those guys are tweener, like early second round. But to me, 
get the fifth year, like trade back into the bottom mm-hmm. of the first round, get a tackle and get that extra year because look at the savings. And then you get to use those savings to address the other areas of your roster. You know, it's interesting because in, without knowing where the rest of that list comes in at, I would guesstimate that uh, the number of guys that are kind of playing at a high level, like you have your offensive tackles, you have your quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I would maybe speculate that maybe your pass rushers would kind but of you be can more still find you can still find pass rushers later. Like to me, the look look at it this year. I think I've got ten pass rushers in my top fifty players. Like mm-hmm. you can still find pass rushers, even though the premier guys, the Von Miller, those guys are special. But you can still find them in the third, fourth round. It's a lot harder to find the starting tackle in the fourth, fifth round than it is to find the edge rusher. Is there any other position that kind of stood out? Uh, in that survey that Jack did in terms no, of like I think, first I, rounders. I think those were the two main ones. And, oh, you know what? Corner is pretty high up there too, you know, in terms of the – if you're looking really? at the top-tier corners, the top-tier corners are first-round picks for the most part, yeah. That's amazing, right? So – Yeah. So it's still, it's still kind They're of – island deep. positions. Is that the deal, you think? They're island positions, so it's a little well, easier to scout too. Yeah, you got to be great athletes and you got to have some technical stuff to do it. But, DJ, it's kind of – pointing everyone when it comes to drafting if you talk about the trends when you have those resets and you begin to like hey what's the best way for us to attack the draft it kind of seems like anytime you have an opportunity to take an offensive tackle even if you have other ones you should always grab it we've talked about philadelphia how in the first round they typically always grab grab a, a, a pass protector or a pass rusher because those are marquee positions and so now if you open that up it's quarterbacks pass protectors pass rushers cornerbacks well, there you have it. The first round should be reserved for those things. And if you're doing it by value, um, from an analytical standpoint, it makes more sense to invest in those positions because you're saying you're paying a premium if you don't draft them and mm-hmm. the best ones come from the top of the board. So don't mess around uh, and look at other positions elsewhere. I mean, I, Andre Dillard got a ton of money. Andre Dillard didn't even start. Barely even played for Philly. They drafted him the first round and then they draft Mylotta later. He beats him out. And you've got Lane Johnson, the all-pro at right tackle. He barely played. And when he did in some of the preseason stuff, it wasn't good. He got a ton of money from Tennessee to come in there and be their left tackle. So Philly's going to end up getting a comp pick. I bet you they'll end up getting a comp pick out of that deal. Okay, so once again, you talk about the factory. And so this is one of the reasons why you talk about best player available. Like people like to kind of give scouts a hard time when they talk about that. But when you think about best player available, if you're a team, like when the Eagles took Dillard, they kind of had a need, but not really. But they took him. And so what happens is you never can have enough good players because when you have good players, you can auction them off and get back what you need. So the the Eagles didn't trade Dillard, but they get back a compensatory pick, which is value. And so it just makes sense that at those premium positions to always stockpile talent in those regards, in those areas, because it will give you an opportunity not only to, to really have a roster with great depth and talent, but it also gives you an opportunity to pay it for so you can get some of that compensation back down the line. No doubt. Um, all right, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, uh, Bucky's done some work on the best free agent signings and the teams that are the most improved. We're going to hit on both those topics right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, Buck, let's jump into this. You've got an article uh, on some free agents that we need to make sure we don't overlook here. Uh, some good signings here. What did you What did you see from the overall group? What stood out to you? Well, the one thing that stood out to me is like some of these teams are making savvy moves. And sometimes, you know it, like there's never a move made without like a long-term thought in terms of how this is going to play it out. So the first guy on the list that I thought was an interesting signing was Jared Stidham going to the Denver Broncos. Because mm-hmm. at first glance, I'm like, if you're Jared Stidham, why would you go to the Denver Broncos when you just played for the Las Vegas Raiders? You had an opportunity to start a few games at the end of the year. Why would you jump in to Russell Wilson's team? And so maybe in that conversation when Sean Payton has him sitting down, he was like, hey, Russell's a quarterback, but I don't know. You never know. He struggled. Uh, if it doesn't go well, maybe you have an opportunity. And so you're Jared Stidham. You're sitting there looking. I have uh, an offensive guru in Sean Payton. I have weapons galore on the outside. They're building up the offensive line. Maybe, just maybe, I get an opportunity to play either by look default or by um, injury. I get a chance to get up in there and get in the mix. And maybe I tie myself to a, uh, a coach and a coordinator. He gives me opportunity to really sustain and enhance my career. Let me give you a thought on that one. Um, If I was going to give advice to backup quarterbacks, I would say take a job where there's a fruitful tree. And what I mean by that is go take a backup job in the Shanahan system. Sean Payton has had a lot of guys underneath him spread around the league because guess what happens? They've passed those backup quarterback guys around like like they're just like gift baskets. Chase Daniel has made, made a career off that like he's been able to say you know what hey you get you hire you hire joe lombardi to run your offense down with the chargers well hey who who we need to put with justin herbert well throw chase in there he's like having an extra coach um you know those guys that have played in those systems that's the deal man you don't want to go with a one-off you don't want to go off you know some guy that comes up from college and go be a backup quarterback there you got no (laughs) branches man you got to go somewhere where there's some branches yeah it is look it's it's a smart move of a few different things if you're jerry system you really think about the long term uh one uh, we talk about backup quarterbacks. Go to a place where you never have to play. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing. I mean, Russell Wilson has been an Ironman for a while, so that's one way to look at it. Another way is, hey, let me get coached by the best coach that I can find. Let me learn how to play the game at a high level. Yes, I have the Belichick experience, have the Josh McDaniels experience. Now we get Sean Payton. I am now getting a PhD in how to play the game at the quarterback position. But I do believe um, – Sean Payton is not necessarily tied to Russell Wilson. People talk about the contract and all that, but, you know, we're saying that the contracts are just funny money. If Russell Wilson doesn't play well, Sean Payton's going to find a quarterback that can do some things for him. Obviously, mm-hmm. there was some interest in Jared Stidham coming off of how he played at the end of the year. And so maybe this is just a move to just kind of file away and let's see how this one plays out down the line. Yeah, give me another one here. What else did you like? So, you know, in, in thinking about, like, some of these things, Mike Gesicki going to the – New England Patriots. That is a big one for me because when you think about the Patriots, how the Patriots have always been, they want to have two tight ends. They want to have a traditional tight end and then they want to have a guy that is a move around guy. When you go all the way back to Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, you look at some of the other moves that they've attempted to make when they had, um, what's the guy? They just had John Smith and it didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah, John Smith. So that's why they had to find someone else who can do what they thought John Smith was going to be able to do. But Bill Belichick wants to operate with two tight ends because it creates mismatches. Gesicki is an interesting find because, man, over the middle of the field, 
Uh, you think about having him and then Juju Smith-Schuster, they're now able to go back to playing the style of ball that the Patriots want to play. And don't underestimate Bill O'Brien and what he wants to do with Mac Jones. Uh, they're going to try and make this game easy for him. So now you have a couple of mismatched options to be able to dictate the terms to the defense and make the, make, look, make the game pitch and catch for the quarterback. All right, question. The best thing about Mike Kosicki's game, would you say, is his catch radius and his value on, you know, throwing the ball up in the mm -hmm. air, jump balls, red zone? Yeah, red zone. You know where the Patriots were in red zone offense last year? Probably down dead, at the bottom. They're terrible. Dead last. Dead <laughs> last. So, you know, 27th and third down, dead last in the red zone. It's like, well, okay. And that's another reason why, and we'll we'll get to this tomorrow. I got a new mock draft coming out, Buck. I'll give you a little teaser on that thing right here mm. to tie it together. Uh B. John Robinson. And everybody's gonna say, Oh, how where does he go in the Patriots? I mean, that's why would they take a running back? Nobody takes a running back in the first round. They've got Ramadre Stevenson. Well, when you're dead last in the red zone and you stink on third down, guess what helps you with that? A guy that can pound the ball in and a guy who's a weapon out of the backfield. And if you look at third downs next year, if you went with what they had last year, and now all of a sudden mm -hmm. Mac Jones on third down has Juju, Mike Isicki, and oh, by the way, I've got Bijan Robinson flaring out. Like all of a sudden now, you, third down number is going to look a little different. Yeah, it is absolutely going to look a little different. Uh, the running back conversation would be such an interesting one because um, everyone understands the value of running backs, but man, the value cannot prevent you from grading a play and then giving him his just due. You think this Bill Belichick cares five. what the other 31 teams think, by the way? I mean, th what this chance? dude is a top five talent. Like, he is special. He is a legitimate, I mean, five-star talent. And so, I, I, mean, I just have a hard time thinking that all of these teams are going to pass and just take a value price running back. To me, it's kind of crazy. This dude is yeah. this dude is talented. It's particularly, He's better than those dudes, yeah. Yeah, in a draft where you don't have many blue-chip players, Man, I am not going to pass on a blue chip player to take a guy that is a lesser talent just because he plays a marquee position. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. So anyway, we'll see what the Patriots look like. It maybe gets us to our next point here. Again, if you haven't read this article, go check out uh, this article on Buck on not overlooking some some key signings here in free agency. You can check that out on NFL.com. But I want to transition over to just teams that are improved. We just talked about the Patriots a little bit. We think that offense could look a little different. We'll see what they do in the draft. But uh, like what they've done with Juju and Mike Kosicki, uh, other teams you think are the most improved uh, through this process? Because I got one, and I think it's a slam dunk. You think it's a slam dunk? I mean, I like slam dunks. Uh, a team that I believe has really improved, I would say the Detroit Lions, because it's an easy one. They revamped their entire secondary, brought some guys over to get, uh, look, Chancey Gardner-Johnson to come over um, to, to, to really upgrade what they want to do in the back end. It allows Aaron Glenn to be a little more creative. They play with a lot of young players. This is a team that is legitimately making a push, not only – to make the playoffs, but they may be able to best be the best team in the division when it's all said and done. And so this team has really loaded up. I really like what they're doing. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Bears, man. Um, because mm -hmm. not only not only do you go out there, um, you know, and get the get the ninth pick, you trade off number one, you got drop down to nine. I like what they're gonna have option wise there, but you get DJ Moore. DJ Moore is the best wide receiver to change teams uh in the mm -hmm. offseason. He's a premier guy, and they got him in that trade. So to be able to add a number one wideout is hard to do. They accomplished that in free agency. You got to get Nate Davis, who's who's a guard, who can come in there, plug and play. You look on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they spent a bunch of money there, and Tremaine Edmonds kind of being the big ticket item. 
to come in. And we talked about that on a previous episode about you want to run cover two and you want to run your mic down the middle of the field. It helps when you got somebody that's as big and as long and rangy and athletic as he is. Uh, so that's going to be a good fit. So not only do you have some talent, I think you got some great fits there. And I think where they're positioned now with the ninth overall pick, I think they're going to be able to get one of the premier offensive linemen in the draft. And so you add that to what you've already done, getting a number one wide receiver. I think Justin Fields is going to look around him and say, okay, we got we got a little something to work with here now. Yeah, he got something to work with. And so we have an opportunity to really see Justin Fields maybe at his best. Uh, maybe he can dispel some of those narratives that are out there about him being a running back playing quarterback. To me, I never saw that when he was at Ohio State because he didn't run the ball like that. I viewed him as a quarterback, and I think he'll have an opportunity to show people that he can play the position and throw it. He is a remarkable athlete, but to me, the guy can can sling it around. Another team that I think did a really good job, and we always talk about this team, his team is the ultimate hype team. The Dallas Cowboys did a really good job in free agency and the trade and just addressing some areas that they needed. They needed someone to play opposite Trayvon Diggs, so they're able to go and get a trade for Stephon Gilmore. Didn't cost him anything, really. Uh, you then go and need another receiver to play opposite C.D. Lamb. You go and get Brandon Cooks. Uh, just the little things that you need to do to put your team in a position to win. Because if this is a quarterback-driven league, like we suggest, Jalen Hurst is the best quarterback in the NFC. Right now, it is a look as a coin flip. It's a race to be number two. And if you believe you can get Dak Prescott to number two by surrounding him with the right talent and giving him a defense that can take the ball away, uh, you have an opportunity to walk your way into the postseason. And once you're in the tournament, anything can happen. Cowboys have done a solid job, uh, and I think they'll continue to do a solid job. This is a team that I expect to be in the mix next year. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, I would also add the Pittsburgh Steelers have done some good things. Uh, getting Isaac Somalo late in free agency. Uh, they get Herbig to come over. That's two offensive linemen. You look at Patrick Peterson, who I think is just a good fit there with Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be able to spread that message in that secondary where they've got some good pieces. Um, yeah, I think they did a nice job. Uh, and then I think the Philadelphia Eagles as well, Buck, just in all the guys they kept. We thought this was going to be a mass exodus. Uh, the biggest one, probably getting Kelsey to come back for another year. So you get a premier center to come back. They re-signed Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox on you know, short-term deals, keep those two veterans in the mix. And then we thought, okay, what's going to happen with the corner position? It was thinking they might be without both. And then here we go, Slay and Bradbury, they figure out a way to work it out. They're both back there in the mix. So a uh, big loss with Hargrave, a uh, big loss with Chauncey Garner-Johnson. They lose Miles Sanders. But again, but running backs that, are everywhere yeah. too. They'll be able to find that. And I love what they did in the running back position. You're going to get Rashad Penny. Yeah. You resigned two of your lesser guys to keep it going. And let's be honest, the 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 wheel, the hub of that offense is Jalen Hurts. You have to yeah. pay big money for him. He is the one that helps the running backs really get loose because the eyes are focused on him running the rock. And so now you get guys on bargain basement deals. Maybe you draft another guy, but you're able to do it. And Howie's done a really good job. I just can't wait to see what his contract looks like when Jalen Hurts signs his deal, um, curious because everyone is waiting on him, everyone's waiting on Herbert, and everyone is waiting on Joe Burrow because they are going to reset yep. the market. And it's going to be fascinating to watch what those deals look like when they come across the ticker. No, you go first. No, no, you go first. No, 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 uh, no, 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 no. Go ahead. You go first. Go ahead and you set go ahead that and do <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then the funny thing is if you're Lamar Jackson, you're like, well, I wait. I might, I might wait a minute. Yeah, no wait a second here. <laughs> uh, all right, Buck. Anything else you want to add before we jump out of here, man? It's a fun time of year. 
Fun time of year. Big week for us. We got pro days, pro days, pro oh, yeah. days. Yeah, Wednesday, three. Thursday, Friday, right? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, NFL Plus. Uh, so you can check us out. Like the pro day special should be a lot of fun. We get to see the top quarterbacks. Everyone goes this week except for Anthony Richardson. So we see Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis. Get a chance to see them throw it around. And even though we'll say it's just a workout, it shouldn't have an impact. There is nothing like the visual of watching a guy throw those those lollipops yeah. and rainbows, it'll change everything. Can can I just get, issue a PSA real quick? To, could just preemptive strike here. The the uh don't don't be the person who gets on Twitter and it happens every year. Oh, they're throwing in shorts. Oh, here we go again. Overreaction. Like first of all, the teams are there, so it matters. If it didn't matter, the teams wouldn't be there. Second of all, it is not more than it is. Okay, it's a it's a small piece of the evaluation process. Third of all, we're on TV covering it. Would you like us to sound like we're bored out of our mind? Is that what you would prefer? No, it's a driving range session. And when you see somebody hit a golf ball long and straight, you get excited. We're going to get excited. We're going to have fun. It's It's got some value. It's not everything. But just spare me the whole, you know, oh, I'll lose my mind. Go find something better to do with your time than to jump on social media and complain about pro days, okay? That's my PSA. That's it. Okay, I appreciate it. The only thing that I would say to people is if you can't throw the ball accurately in shorts and a T-shirt, then you're going to have a hard time throwing it in pads when you put bodies on the field. So everyone knows <laughs> that this is batting practice. He should be able to knock it around and everything should look great. The issue is when they don't look great oh, in batting exactly. practice, that's the story. They're that's probably the going to have a hard time. Truth be told, told, if we look back at last year, if I'm remembering correctly, the one who did not have a good pro day, all all of them, you know, had good. The one who did not have a good pro day was Matt Corral. And did you see who Mm. they'd be open to trading all of a sudden? Matt Corral. Oh, yeah, because it was disjointed. It didn't seem like it. it Yeah, it was was out of. Yeah. I mean, so you have to be able to you have to be able to. Ace it's an open, open book, book test. test. It's an open, open book, book test. test. See, go we back. share a brain. We share a brain. That's right. All, all the odd numbers, they're all in the back. Just go to the back. Get those right. Look them up. Come on. <laughs> uh, all right. That's going to do it for us. Again, check us out. If you don't already uh, subscribe to NFL Plus, lots of cool stuff on there, including all of our pro date coverage. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, until then, we'll catch you next time. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll break down a new mock draft we have. Uh, we'll get into that tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. We'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.